Hello. Hello. Hey, folks. Welcome to Bear Hunting Podcast, episode number six. Um, today, I've got with us an actual bear hunting legend. Um, today, joining us is Richard P. Smith, who's literally wrote the book on bear hunting. So, without further ado, how are you doing, Richard? Fine. How are you, Matt? I'm doing pretty good. So, how are you enjoying this crazy spring weather we're having? Uh, it's great, actually. Uh, it gave the deer major break, having an early breakup, and I've heard about some bears that are out roaming around already, too. Yeah, I heard of a rumor of one out in Ironwood, actually a cell with cubs, but I don't know if that was just a rumor or not, so, but, uh-huh. yeah. <clears throat> so, well, cool. So, let's jump right into it. Uh, how long have you been hunting bears, Richard? Well, I shot my first bear in 1965, Matt, um, which was... Um, almost over 50 years ago. Wow, that's awesome. <clears throat> so, you know, <laughs> bear hunting wasn't very cool back, you know, not that long ago. You know, most of the people I talk, a lot of the people I talked to that were hunting up here back then, they, they almost considered them varmints. You know, what, what sort of got you so into bear hunting back then? Well, they're fascinating animals. And after starting to do some research in hunting them myself, I found out there's a lot of false information about black bears out there. Mm -hmm. And it just got me interested in learning more factual information about the animals. Mm -hmm. And uh, the more I learned, the more I became interested. They are fascinating animals. Uh, They're great animals to photograph, great animals to hunt, and they have a totally different life history than all the other mammals in Michigan. Yeah, that's that's for sure. So it seems like the more I learn about them, the less I realize I know. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. I'm but, still learning. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So um so how many how many black bears do you think you've actually taken in your life? Uh, I don't know exactly how many I've taken, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um I started hunting like when I shot my first bear in 1965, uh, bears were a bonus animal on a deer license. Anybody that bought a deer license back then mm-hmm. for many years in Michigan could shoot a bear without even having a bear license. No license was required to hunt bear for many years. And it, once I started, I, I was deer hunting when I shot that first bear. Uh, hunting in the oaks, and the bear was feeding on acorns. My brother actually jumped the bear, uh, and it ran from him and ran into me, and I shot it. Okay. Uh, but I, after shooting that bear, I started getting interested in actually specifically hunting bears mm-hmm. rather than just lucking into one during deer season. And uh, the more I learned about them, it, once it was required to get a license to hunt bear, um, you could buy anybody. There was no limit on them. Anybody could buy one, a license over the counter, and I hunted bears for many years for the meat, uh, to get meat for the table. And I don't know exactly how many I've killed, but it's been quite a few. Uh, but as far as record book animals, adult males that qualify for state national records, I've killed about a dozen record book bears. Okay. Wow, that's awesome. <clears throat> so. So when you first started hunting bears, did you, were you using, I mean, other than the one you shot, you know, in the Oak Ridge, were you baiting for them then or using dogs or were you just sort of still hunting for them? 
most of the hunting I did when I was seriously trying to target bears was hunting over bait, Matt. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did some hunting with hounds later on to become familiar with that hunting method. Mm -hmm. Uh, As an outdoor writer, I thought it was important to be as knowledgeable as possible about all different hunting methods uh, for bear. Mm -hmm. And so I participated in bear hunting with hounds, and that's certainly an exciting uh, form of hunting bears as well. But most of the hunting I did on my own when I started hunting was over bait. Okay, gotcha. That's cool. Huh, that's really interesting. Um, I, I wish that trail cameras were available back when I started hunting black bears many, many years ago. Um, it, it would be fascinating to know how many bears and what size bears were visiting my baits back then. Very often, I usually just had one bait that I spent a lot of time, put a lot of food at, concentrating on one spot. And I know I had many multiple bears visiting that bait. And I, I think I, there were far more bears visiting it than I had a clue. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. If it wasn't, I mean, even on my own baits nowadays, if it wasn't for trail cameras you would think there'd be just a couple bears showing up or whatever then you pull up the trail camera and it's there was one year up in the queue and i counted probably there had to be 20 different bears visiting my bait site i mean it Mm -hmm. was insane you wouldn't have known because they don't really leave a whole lot of sign coming to the bait you know if they do it's all concentrated so exactly and when you have that many bears they're walking over on the same trails and it just gets so packed down it's impossible to see exactly how many different animals are there without a camera yeah exactly and they don't leave tracks it's hard actually to find tracks sometimes because they don't have very heavy you know indentation in the earth so it's pretty it's hard to it's funny you can go in places where there's tons of bears and it's pretty hard to even find a good quality track sometimes i found so unless there's soft sand or mud yes exactly exactly so interesting huh so um you know, having taken it, over a dozen record book bears, what are some of the skills that, you know, skills or tactics or strategy or even pieces of gear that, you know, have really helped you? I mean, because I don't know anybody that's taken over a dozen record book bears. What What's something that sets you apart from your average bear hunter that you do that makes you so successful in taking record book bears? Well, one of the things is that I'm very good at judging the size and sex of bears that I see. Mm -hmm. From my many years of experience photographing and studying bears, I know how to tell the difference between males and females and small, medium, and large animals apart. That's a key. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many people have difficulty in that regard, and that's one of the reasons I produced a DVD on field judging black bears. Mm-hmm. Because ground shrinkage is a term that many many bear hunters become familiar with because it's common for hunters to shoot a bear that looks big that ends up being small. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I mean, just showing friends trail camera photos, I mean, they, they go, oh, look at that monster. It's like, that's a 150-pound bear. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. And cool. beyond having the ability to identify... Mm-hmm. record book bears when I see them. Um, I I wear scent lock clothing uh, religiously now. I didn't for many years, but since scent lock clothing became available, 
I've been wearing that religiously when bear hunting, and I've killed my biggest bears since I started wearing Sentinel clothing. And there were even a couple times that I killed book bears that the wind was blowing from me to the bait. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, so it shows how effective uh, in reducing your scent that that clothing could be. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate. So a lot of, you know, I hear people say, well, just play the wind. You know, why doesn't that work for shooting um, mature bears over bait, just playing the wind? Well, well it can, Matt. And mm-hmm. I I did kill book bears before I started wearing scent lock clothing. But it was important during that period of time mm-hmm. to make sure that the wind was consistent. Mm-hmm. I hunted uh, before I knew better. I hunted during windy days where the wind was constantly switching. Mm-hmm. Those are the worst possible conditions to hunt bear over bait when you're not wearing uh, scent lock or scent protecting protective clothing mm-hmm. because invariably bears that are coming in are, are going to wind you and they're not going to show themselves. Uh, and you're going to very often ruin the bait. Uh, once they smell a hunter at a bait, they often become nocturnal or may go elsewhere to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I personally I, I've experienced that so this last year I was uh I was hunting the third season up here in the Keweenaw and um I uh I, I I do I practice full scent control myself but I was sort of lazy about it I, I don't know if you recall but the weather was horrible for the start of late season um Michigan hunt and um mm-hmm. and so I kind of got I was drenched and I just kind of got lazy with my scent control but I I had a um easily a 300 pound plus boar that was hitting the bait every single day well i got lazy and um it was two or three days into season and that all of a sudden it was uh, probably 20 minutes before dark all of a sudden um right behind me i heard slamming on the ground i saw there's some little yellow birch trees and they start shaking the trees and it was mm-hmm. that big bear and it came right because the wind was swirling just a little. It wasn't a lot, but there was a, an eventual switch in the wind every so often. And, you know, I, I had just a little lapse in my scent control. And that bear winded me, and I never saw it. I ended up taking a different bear that was not of that caliber. But, you know, I, I lost my chance at that mature board just because of that. Because it never showed itself in the day again. So, exactly. Because yeah. he figured you out at that point. Yeah. And when I was, before I was wearing Sentinel clothing, I learned that it was important if the wind was switching at a bait, that it was important not to hunt at all mm-hmm. to reduce the chances of giving yourself away and ruining the spot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. You mentioned the, the weather conditions during the third hunt mm-hmm. during 2016 in the Keweenaw. Yep. Uh, I had a permit for the third hunt in the Keweenaw last fall. Mm-hmm. And it, it's interesting that I had a a couple of big bears on camera and some smaller ones. I hunted opening day. I didn't get in position until five in the evening mm-hmm. on my stand at the bait I wanted to hunt. Um, I killed a bear that weighed 345 pounds at 715. That's awesome. That <laughs> That is the easiest I've ever killed a big bear <laughs> while hunting that, over bait. That, that is so awesome. <laughs> uh, normally, I have to hunt a minimum of a week to two weeks or even longer 
uh, to sort through different bears to finally see one that I think is a record book animal, yeah. an adult male, to shoot. But last fall, two and a half hours, and I had him down. Wow. I I haven't had the skull measured from that bear yet, but I think it's going to score around 19. Yeah. So it'll qualify for state records. Yeah. I know it's over 18. Yeah. So that would be an additional bear, that uh, additional record book bear that I shot. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, I saw a picture of that bear, and it, it is a, a very, very nice bear. So, mm-hmm. and it's so for the for the listeners that that aren't familiar with Michigan season. So we have there's the first, second, and third hunt seasons, and the first season is bait only, and it starts September 10th. The second season starts September 15th, and then you can start using hounds. And then the third season starts September 25th. And typically, um, this isn't the case with all the tags, but many of the tags are, you have to always put in for the lottery to draw any bear tag pretty much, but um, you can pretty much, you can draw a bear tag every year. So if you do the late season hunts, well, a lot of folks consider those late season tags um, basically junk tags. Oh, they're not worth having unless you're, you're running hounds. So if you're a if you're a bay hunter, you should just wait for the first season. But um, I've been very successful in the late season. Um, I've actually shot five bears in five years in a row over the third season baits. But mm-hmm. um, Richard has has I mean, go ahead and tell him you've shot many many nice bears, even into October. Is you've you've shot a nice bear in October, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, in fact, the uh, the previous. Big bear I shot weighed 360 pounds. It was 15 pounds heavier than the one I shot last fall. I shot him in October. I forget what day. It was the 9th or 10th or 14th, something like that. Um, uh, And I hunted a number of different baits, and I saw one other book bear uh, before the one I shot, but I I wasn't able to get a shot at the one I saw earlier. Mm -hmm. And uh, I... Two other people hunted the bait where I shot the 360-pounder. One of them shot another adult male that he thought was the big one, but it weighed just over 300 pounds. I was 310 or something like that. Okay. Uh, but he So he still took a dandy trophy bear off that bait. And in a lot of cases, that second, that larger bear, would have been spooked off that bait and might even have left it or become nocturnal. Mm-hmm. But he still kept coming in, um, and I managed to eventually get him in the last minutes of daylight later on in October. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think there's too many people that are hunting. I mean, most folks would probably turn their attention to uh, bull hunting for whitetails in October. Most aren't really thinking about bear hunting anymore. So that's that's awesome to take it. Awesome Unless bear. you're a serious bear hunter. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I've, I've hunted some seasons from start to finish <laughs> and still not and had plenty of opportunities to kill bears, but not mm. see one I wanted. Yeah. So ended up with an unfilled tag, but still had a very satisfying hunt. Yeah, exactly. You had opportunity. So and saw lots of animals. That's awesome. Um, does it seem like later in October, what do, what do you think is better for shooting bigger boars? Is it earlier? Like, I guess if you were, if you really wanted to shoot a nice bear, um, you know, setting skill aside, what would you prefer? Would you, would you prefer to hunt earlier in the early hunt in September or would you prefer to hunt later into October? Well, for killing a big bear, uh, the first hunt, you, you can't beat it for, 
uh, a number of reasons. First of all, bears haven't been hunted for a year. You're more apt to catch a bear off guard, especially a big bear, uh, during that first hunt. And another very important reason, the advantage of that first hunt, besides the fact that uh, there's been no hunting pressure prior to that, is the days are longer in, on September 10th than they are during the third hunt, for example, that starts September 25th. There's about a half hour difference in the amount of daylight, and maybe it's even a little more than that, but on September 10th, the days are a little bit longer, and for big bears that are feeding in the last minutes of daylight, that can be a major advantage to have a little more daylight uh, to catch that animal coming in before dark. Yeah, I've never even thought of, I've never even thought of that. I guess that's interesting. Yeah, because uh, they still probably abide by pretty much the same schedule. You know, right? Interesting. So if if you got a big bear that's coming in. Uh, say 8.15 on September 10th, and it gets dark at 8.30, mm -hmm. by the time you get to September 25th, if that bear is coming in at that same time, mm -hmm. it's going to be dark right. before he comes in if he stays on that same schedule. Right, exactly. Interesting. Hmm. Well, cool. Huh. So, what are, is there any, do you have any other um, tactics that, uh, you've used or, or gear or anything like that that uh, has helped you to take some of these trophy bears? Well, it's important. Uh, bait placement is real important to increase the chances of, of seeing adult males, big bears, uh, during hours of daylight. Mm -hmm. They feel most comfortable where there's thick habitat and they don't feel real exposed or vulnerable uh, and so having a bait either on the edge of a swamp or in a clearing in a swamp where bears feel comfortable feeding during hours of daylight, that's real important. Mm -hmm. uh, if you put a, put a bait in the hardwoods, for example, uh, on September 10th, there might be plenty of cover when the leaves are up, but toward the end of September, when leaves start falling, uh, that spot's going to be a lot more open and bears aren't going to feel as comfortable during hours of daylight in that type of setting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yep. Now, do you ever um, cue in on food sources for your stand placement? Do I what, Matt? I'm um, oh, it's okay. Um, I said, uh, do you ever, um, you know, is, does natural food ever play a role in where you place your uh, stand? Yes, very often, in fact. Especially if I'm hunting a new area where I haven't had a bait previously, mm -hmm. what I often do is go to natural food sources first to locate where those natural food sources are mm -hmm. and look for tracks and droppings and feeding sign in that vicinity to try and get an idea where bear activity already is and then select a spot in the nearest heavy cover to place a bait. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I... Um, just because I hunt the later seasons, typically, um, I try to, uh, set up my, my stand somewhat near acorns if I can, or oak trees, you know, um, mm -hmm. there's no beech trees where I hunt, but, uh, yeah, so that's, that's something I try to do, but I totally agree with the cedar swamp, uh, or the swamps really in general, so, mm -hmm. um, cool. Um, so... 
Yeah, something you sort of touched on was um, mature bears having a specific pattern. Now, in your book, um, Black Bear Hunting, the second edition, what uh, you, you talk about patterning um, black bears. How how do you do that with bait? Like, if you step by step, like, what's a great? I guess what's the method for patterning a, a mature black bear? Well, the best way is using trail cameras, as we discussed before. Mm -hmm. uh, tra trail cameras properly set up at a bait that gives you a view of the bait and what animals are coming in, and so you can get an idea of their size and sex. Um, trail cameras provide a tremendous amount of information as far as when they're coming in, what size they are, uh, how often they're visiting the bait. Uh, it just a tremendous amount of information that wasn't available prior to the use of trail cameras. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> oh yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't even know if it'd be crazy not to hunt with, without trail cameras now. I mean, they, you get so much information from them. I mean, it, it, you're going in blind unless you're not using trail cameras, I guess that's, that's for right. sure. So, but that's how I used to hunt for many years. Yeah. Uh, wow. The first thing that came out were, um, trail timers. Mm -hmm. Trail timers were an innovation that in their day when they first came out where you could set a trail timer mm -hmm. on a trail leading to a bait and you could, uh, when a bear tripped it, it would stop a clock at the time that it was tripped. Okay. So you could tell when the first bear arrived at a bait using a trail camera. Okay. But that was the only information you got is when the first animal came in. Right. You had no idea what size it was or how many different bears were there. Mm -hmm. But that was a little bit of information. The only other way you could determine how many bears were visiting a bait and what time they came in would be to actually sit at a bait and observe it mm -hmm. prior to the season. But yeah. by doing that you risk contaminating the spot with your scent and spooking bears before the hunting season opens. Right, exactly. So, huh, yeah, yeah, that could be bad. <laughs> so, well, cool. So, um, what do you do? Do you do anything special with um, baiting when you pattern the bears? Um, when I try and put as much bait out as possible mm -hmm. prior to the season to keep to try and get multiple bears visiting the site. Mm -hmm. If you only put a small quantity of bait uh, before the season, one animal can consume a small quantity of bait easily, mm -hmm. and it reduces the chances of having multiple bears on a bait. Right. So I put as much bait as possible before the season. Once I start hunting, I cut the quantity back uh, to maybe half of a five-gallon pail or maybe a gallon of a bait, mm -hmm. uh, to increase competition for that food supply during the time I'm hunting. Okay. And that can increase the chances of getting a big bear that might be nocturnal to feed earlier mm -hmm. if when it comes in there isn't any food left. Okay. Interesting. Now, if – and that's to get a nocturnal bear to come out earlier. If they're, if they're already coming out in the day, say, you know, it's dark at 8.30 and they're coming out at 8.15, would you cut the bait then or just keep doing what you're doing? No, I would cut it anyway because okay. it may get him coming in at 7.30 instead of 8.15. Ah, yeah, good call. Yep, that makes sense. The more light you have when they come in, the better. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, 
<laughs> have you ever had any crazy track jobs um tracking bears in the dark <laughs> <laughs> yes i have i've had lots of them in fact one of the most interesting ones was uh two years ago mm-hmm. um i was helping out a hunter uh was staying at lac la belle lodge uh, mm-hmm. in the keweenaw mm-hmm. he had hunted years earlier and killed a small bear and he wanted to shoot an adult male bear so i offered to videotape him and provide advice to him about which bear to shoot mm-hmm. um, so i sat with him at this bait and we saw a number a thousand cubs and small bears mm-hmm. and we finally saw an adult bear adult male i think it was his fifth day of hunting and i gave him the go ahead to shoot it and he and it was the last minute of daylight is typical for an adult male mm-hmm. and he shot the bear and it ran off into the swamp and I wanted to try and locate the dead bear as quickly as possible, assuming he made a killing shot. So I hustled into the swamp with the guy and he had a roll of orange tape to mark the blood trail Uh so we could find our way out. And I found first blood a short distance in the swamp and he started putting orange markers. We finally got into some really thick stuff um, where we both tripped and fell and Rather than risk hurting ourselves, I decided to back out and come back in the morning. Mm-hmm. Well, when we went to backtrack on those orange ribbons, we could not find the clearing where the bait was. <laughs> it, it was pitch black out, of course. Uh-huh. In the in you can't. We had flashlights, but the flashlight beams didn't go very far. Right. We ended we ended up spending a couple hours in the swamp after dark until. Um, Troy Westcott is the owner of uh, Lac La Belle Lodge with his wife, Kathy. Troy eventually came uh, and honked the horn to try and locate us when it was obvious that something was wrong. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just walked out. We weren't very far from the road, but we just didn't know exactly where it was. Yep. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) I, I I wasn't concerned myself. Uh, but the guy I was with is from Detroit. Uh-huh. He had very little experience <laughs> with black bears, and it, he he was concerned about getting lost, and his his worst fear was were realized. <laughs> Detroit and a UP cedar swamp are a couple are two very different things. <laughs> yes, definitely. So that's one of the most interesting uh, night tracking jobs I've had for bear. Did you find the bear? No, in fact, he, it ended up he made a non-fatal shot. Okay. Uh, he he broke the shoulder on the bear, but it was at such an angle that it broke the shoulder and didn't go into the chest cavity. Uh, uh, we went back the next morning, track, followed the blood trail until it petered out. Mm-hmm. The bear never bedded down. And as it turned out, I saw that bear later on in the fall. And it was favoring that shoulder that was broke, but it was getting around fine okay. on three legs. Well, that's good then. So, crazy. So, yeah, and I, I, the Westcott's, the owners of Lockville Lodge, I'm I'm good friends with them, and they're very good people, so Mm -hmm. it's a shame they don't guide bear hunters anymore, but, uh, yeah, they're... Well, they just don't have the time. Yeah, oh, yeah, they're very busy people, so they were excellent bear guides for sure, so... Yeah. Well, cool, very cool. So, um... And something I read is that you prefer to, you used to hunt with tree stands, but now you, I heard that you prefer to hunt off the ground, off a natural blind. Is that true? If I have that option, yes, that is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've killed 
all three of the Boone and Crockett bears that I've killed, I've killed all three Boone and Crockett bears mm-hmm. from ground blinds. Um, and it, the advantage of doing that is I was able to videotape uh, those hunts myself with a camera on a tripod next to me, mm-hmm. uh, which would have been, I could have done it from a tree stand, but it made it a lot easier having a video camera on a tripod. I can imagine. So <clears throat> now does that help at all with, um, with not putting your scent out there when you first set up your, well, when you're going in to hunt the area? It, it really didn't make that much difference as far as scent. Okay. It gave me a better shot. Um, Versus a tree stand, if you're at a high angle in a tree stand, sometimes you only take out one lung where you're shooting down on a bear. When you're on the same level as a bear, you're more likely to get two lungs or the lungs and the heart, Mm -hmm. uh, making a better killing shot from the ground than a tree stand. Okay, interesting. So, cool. Okay, that's good to know. So... You've shot three Boone and Crockett bears. That's right. I, I've heard a. <laughs> I I know people that have shot a lot of bears and haven't even shot one. That's awesome. Now, um, I know that you have the number two world record with a muzzleloader black bear. Um, do you want to tell me that story? Yeah, uh, that is the the biggest uh, black bear I've killed as far as skull size. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that bear scored twenty one and fourteen sixteenths. The skull scored twenty one fourteen sixteenths. I shot him in Saskatchewan uh, during late May in two thousand two. I was hunting with uh, Brian and Shelley McDonald out of their lone wolf camp mm-hmm. in uh, western Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. Uh, their camp is very remote. In fact, it is at the very end of any drivable roads in Saskatchewan. They have many, many square miles of wilderness around their camp and uh, many big bears. I killed two of my Boone and Crockett bears out of their camp. The big one I got that scored 21 and 14 sixteenths, and I later killed one uh, that scored 20 and 2 sixteenths as well from their camp. Um, In the spring... uh, the part of the spring season coincides with the black bear breeding season. And I really enjoy hunting in the spring for that reason. It increases the chances of taking an adult male because they are far more active than, than they are in the fall. And uh, I passed up, I think it was the third or fourth day of my hunt when I killed the the big black that scored 21 and 14 sixteenths. Uh, I passed up, one or two females and then on the day I killed the big one there was a chocolate male that came into the bait first and I was looking for a bear that would score at least 20 this chocolate male I figured he had at least a 19 inch skull Uh, he was about 300 pounds maybe a little over 300 but I didn't think his skull would score 20 so I passed him up and it was a bear that most other hunters would have killed Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but it was it was the best decision I ever made. Uh, uh, 15, 20 minutes after I decided not to shoot this chocolate male, this bigger black bear came out and chased him off the bait. And it was obvious to me he was at least 100 pounds heavier than the chocolate male. And I, I was confident his skull would score at least 20. He was a much bigger bear, and so I didn't hesitate to shoot that one. 
Uh, I shot him with a 45 caliber night uh, disc muzzleloader, and um, he went about you know, 50, 60 yards, after, and I shot him with a 150-grain bullet out of that muzzleloader. Awesome. And he weighed 450 in the spring, late May. He would have weighed over 600 pounds in the fall. He was a monster. Wow. That is a huge, huge bear. That and his skull crazy. actually scored 22 green, mm-hmm. but it shrunk about an eighth of an inch, so it ended up 21 and 14 sixteenths. And as you said, it's number two for North America in muzzleloading records. That's awesome. <clears throat> that is super, super cool. I'm jealous. <laughs> so Well, so that I was correct in that bear having at least a 20-inch skull. Yeah. He had 20 plus two. <laughs> <laughs> you underestimated. <laughs> so well, I knew awesome. he at least met the met the minimum oh, yeah. that I wanted. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's awesome. Now, um, where were so you shot another Boone and Crockett bear up in Saskatchewan, the same camp, and right. where, where was the other one taken at? Uh, that the third Boone and Crockett bear also came out of a camp in Saskatchewan, but it was a different camp near Prince Albert. Okay. Um, and I, I don't think that camp is operating any longer, but that bear was a brown-coated um, bear. It um, was the first book bear with a brown coat that I've taken. Okay. Awesome. And it scored 20 and 216th, the same as the other Boone and Crockett that I got out of Lone Wolf Camp. Okay. Awesome. That's cool. And I believe he was 17 years old or 15 years old. Okay. How old was the uh, was your number two muzzleloader bear? I never got an age back. I did. They collected a tooth. Uh, I turned in a tooth to the Saskatchewan mm-hmm. uh, Fish and Game people, but I never got a report on the age on that bear. Okay. So I'm not sure. Interesting. Okay. It's his teeth were in excellent condition, though. I suspect he was 10 at the oldest. He may have been eight years old. Okay. Uh, he was in in his prime. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> That's awesome. Hmm. So I, I would bet that Saskatchewan's probably your favorite place to hunt then. It is. It's a <laughs> terrific place for yep. black bear hunting. Right. <clears throat> I'm going to get up there one of these years, so I haven't made it out. I've made it up to Ontario a couple of years ago. I did a do-it-yourself um, fall bear hunt up in Ontario, but uh, um, I'm going to do a Saskatchewan hunt sometime here. So. Yeah. In fact, the first year I hunted Saskatchewan for bear, mm-hmm. um, which was about 15 years before I killed the number two black bear with a muzzleloader, I saw an even bigger black bear uh, that year, and I only I was hunting with bow and arrow at that time, mm-hmm. and I had a huge bear come in to a 50-gallon barrel, and standing on all four feet, he was looking down into the barrel. Uh, which it was just a, a, a monster, a much bigger wow. than the one I killed with the muzzleloader. And I I was in a tree stand at that time with a bow and arrow, and I was waiting for the bear to stick his head down into the barrel, and I was going to draw and take a shot. Uh, but he, the bear knew where this tree stand was, and he turned and looked up at me. He looked at the tree stand, and he saw something was different. Uh, me sitting in the stand, and he just simply turned and walked away. Uh, that's how cagey older adult bears can be. Oh, no doubt. I mean, wow, that's, 
that there's no doubt in my mind that that bear would have had a skull exceeding 22 inches mm-hmm. it may even have been 23 wow that would be awesome what's the uh what's the number one record for muzzleloader do you know off the top of your head it's, it's 22 22 wow that's crazy <laughs> but okay. there is there have been black bears in Boone and Crockett records that score over that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the highest scoring is 23 and some change. Okay. Yep. Yeah. There is one. So correct me if I'm wrong. Um, there's the, the number one record was actually a pickup from Utah and that was 23 and some change. And then the largest hunter taken one was taken by Pennsylvania hunter. Is that correct? That, that's correct. Okay. Yep. And you actually and, interviewed uh, that um, hunter in your book, right? That's correct. There's okay. a chapter on that bear in yep. uh, my black bear hunting book. Okay, awesome. So we'll talk about your book in a minute, but uh, yeah, that's that's awesome. So, um, well, cool. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I wanted to ask you here. <laughs> um, so let's see. What's something that, um, sort of switching gears here, for that most new bear hunters, they overlook when it comes to hunting black bears, like something with bear behavior. What's something that most hunters would overlook that, you know, it causes them to not harvest either bears or mature bears? One of the biggest mistakes that beginning bear hunters hunting over bait make is they position their ground blind or tree stand or whatever it is they're going to hunt from they put it in place a few days to a week or more before their hunt and that's a perfect way to give away your position to older adult bears that are experienced with hunting pressure Mm -hmm. Um, it's not unusual for once a hunter puts up a stand or a blind ahead of time it's not unusual for bears to develop a trail going by that tree stand or ground blind to check it for anybody in it before they commit to the bait. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not unusual for bears to actually climb trees and in, in, sit in tree stands before the season as well. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, what I try to do is wait until the day I plan on hunting, unless there's a stand already present at the bait that I'm going to hunt, Mm-hmm. I usually try and wait until the day I'm going to hunt or the day before and set the tree stand or ground blind up to reduce the chances the bear's going to know where I'm going to be ahead of time. Okay. It increases your chances of catching them off guard. Yeah. Makes sense to me. So, yeah. Um, matter of fact, that's probably what? what probably what happened to me last year. I set up my tree stand. Um, I actually waited, I but I, I didn't wait until – I waited until – hunt started sunday i believe and i set up my tree stand on friday and Mm -hmm. sure enough that big bear came right next to me so which is strange because they had to go all of their way to go that way so that's interesting he was checking to see if you were there (laughs) yeah exactly yeah and another important thing uh that beginning hunters who who may be hunting over bait for the first time uh have a hard time understanding is that um, it's not unusual to have baits go cold uh, either after they're initially hunted the first time or even before they're hunted. Mm-hmm. And the reason for this is uh, there's usually 
a new source of natural food that has just ripened or just become available that those bears have switched to. Mm-hmm. In Menominee County, where there's a lot of cornfields, for example, mm-hmm. it's common for bears to be on baits for weeks, and cornfields ripen just about the time the first bear season starts. Mm-hmm. So just before bear season starts or soon afterward, it's not unusual for bears to abandon baits and go into those cornfields mm-hmm. when corn ripens and feed on corn. And the same thing can happen with beech nuts falling or acorns falling. Yeah. A lot of times those bears prefer that natural food source over mm-hmm. the bait. And when there's a, when it's abundant, that natural food source is abundant. A lot of times they'll leave baits and utilize that. Yep. And, and, what I do specifically on my end to combat that is I try to set up, I plan ahead and assume that there's going to be a good crop of acorns because where I hunt, there's no cornfields or anything. So I mm-hmm. assume there's going to be acorns. And so I set up near them. And then when I bait, I try to um, use either like a trail mix or a mixed nut for a bait. And it seems to, to hold the bears on the bait because they're still getting the, nutty food source that they're actually going for with the acorns so because i've tried right. to i've actually tried to not use trail mix and the bait has gone cold and then as soon as i started to put you know some sort of nut based bait in there they started to hit the bait again and even harder than they were before so yep but and and that's the key that nut bait is the type of food they're going for anyway mm-hmm. and they love all types of nuts yeah. using that quality bait increases the chances you're going to keep bears on your bait and using corn in areas where corn fields draws them away from a bait is an alternative too yeah i've heard that too so yeah that's the temptation with uh um sort of menominee county is they have some big bears down there but uh I've always heard that as soon as the hunts start up, it seems like the baits go cold. So, but yep. every year they kill some nice bears down there. So yeah, exactly. In fact, my first book bear in Michigan, I killed in Menominee County with a muzzleloader again, mm-hmm. and I I killed that bear on the next to the last day of the season. <laughs> it, and the key to success there, Matt, mm-hmm. was the cornfields had been cut by then. Okay. Toward the end of bear season, the cornfields had been cut, so bears didn't have that option any longer going to the cornfields, and they were back on the baits. Interesting. And another another thing that worked in my advantage is there was two days of heavy rain and wind, uh, real stormy weather, mm-hmm. that most of the bears were laid up in. Once that storm front moved through, uh, it happened to coincide with the next to the last day of the season, okay. and that... Uh, Book bear showed up a few minutes before dark. No kidding. No, was that a third season tag? So you're hunting all the way. I think it's October twenty sixth. I think, I think I had a second season tag that year. Okay. Uh, starting the fifteenth, and I hunted all the way through to the next to the last day. Okay. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> In fact, um, I I actually uh, wounded that bear. I didn't make a killing shot with the muzzleloader. There was an excellent blood trail, but we followed it and didn't find the bear. So Joe Hudson has hounds. I contacted Joe and Nancy Hudson the next day, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. used their dogs uh, to, 
to trail that bear and jump it, and I was able to shoot it again with the muzzleloader to finish it off. I had broke the bear's shoulder but didn't go into the chest cavity, and uh, so the dogs paid uh, were a major benefit in recovering that bear. That's awesome. <clears throat> Very cool. Now, you said you've hunted with hounds a little bit. Um, I take it you prefer to hunt over bait, but do you enjoy you enjoy the hounds, right? Oh, I do very yeah. much. Yeah. Uh, and it's an exciting way to hunt. And <clears throat> even a small bear, a smaller, medium-sized bear, can produce a very exciting hunt with hounds. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. So, yeah, I haven't uh, hunted with hounds yet myself, but uh, I'm going to take a ride. I got some friends that do it, so I'm going to take a ride with them and just enjoy it. So, <laughs> yeah. But, it is a great way to hunt. Yeah. Uh, it's totally different than hunting over bait. Uh, it can be boring at times spending days or hours on end looking for tracks or trying to find a bait that was hit with a bear big enough that you want to put the dogs on. Mm-hmm. That We've even had some days that we didn't find it, a track to run. Uh, rainy days can be a problem for hunting with hounds. If it rains uh, early in the morning or just after daylight, rains hard, it can wash out all the scent. Uh, that bears have left and eliminate the opportunity to run a bear unless you find a track made after the rain stops. Right. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah. It's probably not as easy as you you always hear, oh, it's got to be so easy, hunt over a bait or hunting over with hounds. What's the challenge in that? But there's a lot more to it than that. (laughs) (laughs) There certainly is. Uh, Hunters who maintain hounds, it's an expensive deal to maintain hounds year round you got to feed them and house them year round and then you got to train them yeah. uh it's a year round pursuit hunting yeah. with hounds yeah exactly i mean with a lot of other you know um pursuits in the hunting world once you know season's done you can kind of hang up your bow or your gun and just call it a season and but with if you're a houndsman especially <laughs> you're you're hunting um, chores last all year round. So, yeah, and you want to take advantage of the season as long as it's open. Yeah, exactly. Matter of fact, I've been seeing because um, I live in the West UP, and I've seen guys driving around with their <laughs> their dog boxes already. So, I, I live close to the Wisconsin border, so I think their baiting season starts the fifteenth of April. And so that's I, correct. Yeah, so they're getting ready for that. So. But, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. Well, cool. So, um, let's see. Why don't we talk about your book a little bit, Richard? I've read it. Um, I think it is absolutely um, the ultimate reference to, you know, for bear hunting. I mean, it has so much in it. The pictures alone are worth the cost of the book. I mean, there is absolutely stunning pictures, and there's a, a bears, and um, and the stories you've collected in there are just absolutely excellent. Um, well, thank you. That's actually the fourth bear hunting book I've written. Mm -hmm. Um, The first book I wrote was the book of the black bear. Then I wrote hunting trophy black bear and the first edition of black bear hunting. And the most recent one is the second edition of black bear hunting, Mm -hmm. both of which have have gone over very well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Matter of fact, I, I let a bar buddy of mine borrow, um, borrow the book and he read it in two days. I couldn't believe it. (laughs) I don't, uh-huh. know, I don't know how he crammed all that into his head in 
two days, but <laughs> well, so, it's it's the most comprehensive book on black bear hunting on the market today. Absolutely. So, and it's not it's not just about bait hunting. It's not just about hounds. It's about hounds, baiting, um, spot and stalk. Cause you've done some spot and stalk hunts out west, haven't you? Yes, uh, I hunted uh, Vancouver Island with Jim Shockey okay. uh, a number of years ago, and when Jim was just getting into bear guiding. Uh, at the time I hunted with Jim, he was my guide. He hadn't yet bought his first bear outfitting business on Vancouver Island that he owns now. Mm-hmm. But I had a great time hunting with Jim, and um, they have a two-bear two bag limit on Vancouver Island in British Columbia. I shot one with a muzzleloader, and I shot one with a bow and arrow, both spot and stock. Mm-hmm. And the bow kill was the bigger of the two animals. In the spring, uh, I think it weighed close to 400 pounds, and it had a skull that scored over 19. Wow, that's awesome. And your muzzleloader uh, was a record book player, too? No, that and that actually was a female. Okay. Um, we, uh, it, It's an interesting story how that happened. Uh, another hunter had killed the bear, and the, the, it was a – they had skinned the bear, and another adult male came in was starting to eat the carcass. So they called us to come out there and shoot this other adult male. We weren't able to make it out that we didn't find the bear that day, but the next morning we checked the carcass and there was a bear feeding on it. And we just assumed it was the adult male they had seen the day before. Mm -hmm. And I shot it without taking the time to really size it up. Uh And it proved to be an adult female. (laughs) So it was a smaller bear than the one I took with the, with the bow. Hey, but it's still an awesome story, though. So, <laughs> well, that's cool. That is very cool. So, but the book covers uh, hunting natural food sources such as acorns, beech nuts, apples, cherries, uh, hunting cornfields, beech nuts, um, hunting fish runs, salmon and sucker runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it covers all the different hunting methods that are popular for bear hunting, including using predator calls to call them yeah. in. Yep. Yeah, that's starting to get uh, pretty popular, especially out west in places like uh, I think Arizona, and I've seen it done in Alaska. It's it's uh, that's really starting to catch on as a cool method. A lot of people like to uh, like the rush of it. So that's cool. and it can work here in Michigan as well. I know a, a hunter, and it can be it can help your chances of scoring when hunting over bait. Mm-hmm. Uh, say you've got a big male that's nocturnal when you're hunting over bait. And your your hunt is just about over, and you haven't seen him, and he's coming in mostly after dark. Using a predator call can sometimes lure that big bear into view for a shot before dark. Okay, that's cool. I'll have to keep keep that one in the back of the head. So that's that's a cool idea. Hmm. So well, cool. Yeah, and um, let's see, you've got in your book, you've got all kinds of interviews with uh, um, record book bears and uh all kinds of cool stories so that's cool and then um also you have uh field judging black bears dvd which is another exactly. excellent um resource so for it said it's the the ultimate it's uh really the rule book for how to judge black bears is the way i've heard yeah it said. there's a, a number of very simple techniques that any bear hunter can use to help judge the size and sex of bears mm-hmm. that I've learned over the years. Yeah. Yeah. And that's <clears throat> right up, right up the beginning of this. That was 
your number one thing that can help you to uh, take record book bears is know what they look like. So exactly. <laughs> Step one, know what they look like. So cool. That's great. Yeah. So I definitely recommend um, now in, in the uh, description of this podcast, I'll have links for Richard's website and um, links for the book and DVD. And then also um, you have uh you're doing a survey right now for Michigan bear hunters. So if you're from Michigan and listening to this, pay attention. Um, you are trying to get collect data from trail camera um, photos of black bears. You want to tell me a little about that? Right. Yeah, this is the second year uh, that I've done this survey, Matt. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm right now collecting data from hunters, both deer hunters and bear hunters, and even non-hunters who use trail cameras who had photos of bears during 2016. And I'm especially interested in uh, photos or sightings of females with cubs and how many cubs they had. Mm-hmm. Um, the DNR currently does not estimate the number of cubs in the population of bears in the state. They only estimate the number of bears that are at least a year old. Mm-hmm. And so there's a big gap in the information about the number of cubs out there but i also want to hear from people the total number of bears they've seen and or photographed and um the number of females with cubs among those yeah yeah definitely so and i have a website or an email address that they can anybody can email uh the information it's mi bear count at yahoo.com okay. so that's mi for michigan bear count at yahoo.com yep and i'll have that in case you missed writing that down i'll have it in the description as well so good but cool so yeah definitely and uh that's to i i definitely really feel you should be help anybody that's listening should help that cause out because uh um the the way we estimate bears is sort of silly i I, the I I could spend a whole other podcast talking about Michigan bear <laughs> politics, but uh, so could I. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> don't even want to get started. Uh, I don't even want to talk about the chocolate ban either. <laughs> yeah. So well, that's the regulation that all bear hunters who use meat are going to be faced with this year. Yep, that's correct. So, yeah, hey, maybe we'll, I'll just get the word out real quick. So if you're hunting in Michigan this year, um, you are no longer allowed to use chocolate as a um, in any form as in your bear bait. cannot contain chocolate. Or, or any amount. Any amount, exactly. So if you've got trail mix with M&Ms, that's a no-go. If you've got uh, Dale Donuts with uh, chocolate cream in the middle, that's a no-go. So Or chocolate frosting. Or chocolate frosting or anything your granola's got a little bit of i don't know chocolate bits in there that's a no-go so um, some granola does and, it does. and yeah. as you said it's no longer legal in michigan for bear hunting yeah exactly so and i understand the 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 principle behind it but the way we did it ugh, anyway anyway <laughs> well there's as i mentioned there's a lot of misinformation about bears out there yep. well this ban on chocolate fits right in there there's yes. a tremendous amount of misinformation about the ch- about chocolate and as bear bait and what impact it has on bears and other wildlife yep. tremendous amount of misinformation oh absolutely absolutely i mean i 
even, I mean, you know, I, work, I don't work with a whole lot of bear hunters or anything at my, you know, day job, but, you know, I've heard somebody say to me, oh, well, I heard that uh, chocolate's poisonous to bears and they eat it and they die. No, that's not really the case. Let me explain and, I, you know, explain it, but you're exactly right. Tons of misinformation, so. Yeah, but, it requires a large quantity of chocolate yes. to be toxic to black bears. In fact, bears are omnivores omnivores just like humans they can t their tolerance for chocolate is a lot higher than uh canines like coyotes or wolves and there's been no documented cases of coyotes or wolves that have died from eating chocolate at bear baits correct yeah <clears throat> yeah and the only documented cases i've heard of of bears dying from chocolate was somebody literally literally putting out you know a huge pile of Hershey's chocolate and that's you know and they can and it was a bad crop year and that's all they ate and they died from it but it was such an extreme circumstance it it'd be like saying well since there's a lot of bears on this road and there's some a bear killed by the car well, maybe we shouldn't uh, drive cars down this road anymore. I mean, it's <laughs> it's so crazy, but it's funny because the you're you're actually out there, you know, trying to harvest a bear. So it, it it's just a really odd thing that we're trying. Yeah. Anyway, so well, there's only been one documented case of a bear in Michigan mm -hmm. that's died from eating chocolate, and that was a 43 pound cub in Alcona County in the Lower Peninsula. Okay. Only one case of a bear dying from eating chocolate in Michigan. Yeah, it's crazy. And so we just outright ban it. So <sighs> anyway, <laughs> like I said, I could spend a whole another podcast on Michigan bear politics. Maybe we will someday, but <laughs> we'll save it for another day. So mm -hmm. anyway, well, um, do you have any closing thoughts, Richard? Anything uh, you can think of that I didn't cover or anything you want to tell well, just one. I've got one other book on Michigan bear. Um, it's titled Understanding Michigan Black Bear. Oh, yeah, that's right. And it, it's geared toward anyone interested in bears. It's not specifically for bear hunters. Mm -hmm. uh, anybody that hunts, uh, fishes, camps, spends times in the outdoors in Michigan can learn how to avoid problems from bears by reading this book. They can also learn a lot of things about the history of bears in Michigan. And most of the book is devoted to what biologists have learned through research about the life history and biology of black bears here in Michigan. Yeah. There's also a history of bear attacks, history of bear hunting, and many other interesting things like that. Right, yeah. Yep, I've read that one. I, I have that book too, and it, it is very good. So it's be great for your non-hunting neighbors especially so that uh, bears getting their garbage <laughs> yeah so, but well great um cool what's uh what's your bear hunting plans for this year richard well i i plan on applying for a michigan uh, permit again as usual i was toying with the idea of trying to set up an ontario hunt in the spring uh but i've gotten a lot of other irons in the fire right now that i haven't gotten around to it oh yeah definitely understand i too i was going to do a um spring ontario hunt as well but uh um other things got in the way of that but instead um me and a buddy i was in the service with we've been putting in for he lives in uh st paul minnesota and uh 
he's been we've been putting in for points together there and we are due to draw our um minnesota bear tags this year so we're going to be hunting uh-huh. um far northern minnesota this year so together. i've spent many years bear hunting over there okay very cool shot a number of bears in minnesota okay interesting in fact i shot my first book bear with a bow and arrow okay. uh, hunting on my own in minnesota it was an adult male a five-year-old, five- or six-year-old male, that his skull scored 18 on the nose, okay. which is the minimum for Pope and Young records with bow and arrow. Okay. Very interesting. Now, where where were you hunting at in Minnesota? Um, I was hunting out of Grand Marais, but I was hunting north of Grand Marais uh, okay. when I got that book there. Okay. Interesting. Yep. Yeah, me and um, my friend, we were uh, looking to hunt sort of by, uh, thinking north of Ely, so, um, uh-huh. yeah, so it looks like it, they've been, their tag numbers have been down for a long time there, and um, last year their harvest, it believe I read this right, their harvest success rate was like 57%, so, right. Yeah, so they need to issue more licenses, just like Michigan does. Absolutely, so definitely agree. But so they can, they're gonna hold off this year, which is good for me because you know less competition. But um, yeah, so well, good. So cool. Well, Richard, I guess we'll wrap this up. Um, I really appreciate you coming on with me. Um, it's been a pleasure, and uh, um, we'll have to get you back on again eventually. So. That sounds good. Enjoyed the conversation, Matt. Yeah, I did too, Richard. So thanks again. Have a great night. All right, you too. Yep, bye. Bye. Bye, everyone.